The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. Barking? Uh, dogs. I'm not a dog. I'm a wolf. Wolves and dogs. They don't howling. Uh, sure, but yeah, do- wolves howl, and so do dogs. But bulls. Not sure what they sound. We like. just stand there majestically, <laughs> <laughs> looking for female bulls. No. Um, hey. <laughs> so, how's your week going? You having a good week? Well, since it's Monday, not much of a weekend. <laughs> I can't ask questions. Well, you can ask all the, kinds the, of questions. Wait, Do I have to answer? The, Is that part of the game? The audience doesn't know. See, we don't I, see I worry each other about all it because day. what I know about the wild, which and wolves in particular, uh-huh. is they're always trying to fool you. You know. First thing I learned as a Those young lad. No, foxes. No, 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 no. First I used as a young lad. It wasn't the fox that was the date grandma, right? It was the wolf sitting there waiting. For little red, little red, who bulls don't like red. By the way, what are you doing over there? Oh, this podcast this will one day be brought to you by maybe my favorite drink, one of my favorite drinks, and it's a certain color. And immediately after it, it's called uh, bull. What the heck? What was that? I don't know. Something weird just happened. Not sure. Um. I think it heard you try to advertise. Without I think permission. someone just messaged me on Steam, and I don't have any friends on Steam except the what is guy. Steam. It's a game. It's a gaming. That system. That doesn't sound like game. No, it's a gaming it system. Steamy. You buy. Wow. No. no. You buy <laughs> computer games on there. Anyway, yeah. For those of you who like to guess things, because we are not sponsored by this company, and I don't want to be in trouble. So by here's a bit of trivia, trivia for you. Yes. You know who Steamboat Willie is, right? Oh, my God. No, I don't actually. You do not well, know no, who Steamboat... no, the Steam Mickey Bo- Mouse. There you go. Yeah, well... Very good. Well, c- shit, I just said... Uh, c- I can't say these things. We're not sponsored by these companies. Devil I can't. Mouse. Yeah, there you go. Ha <laughs> ha! <laughs> no soul! <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thanks so much for listening to us ramble. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Wolf and the Bull. I'm the wolf. And I am the bull. And, you know, really, just before we get into it, I really want to provide our audience with a little bit of context. The last episode was done uh, a little bit more off the cuff. Um, we thought it'd be fun to record what, one of our many ramblings. Sorry, my microphone moved. Um, and we thought, you know, it, might as well continue with the podcast. It's called Stream of Consciousness. That's what it's called. Yeah, and most people, when they're <laughs> elaborating on Stream of Consciousness... Or, in our case, Stream of Unconsciousness. <laughs> <laughs> got jokes today. Um, but uh, yeah, so really today we're going to talk a little bit more about what we ended our last uh, episode off of. Um, a little bit about apathy, um, entropy, kind of discuss some things that we saw, you know, over the last few days that we thought were pretty interesting and um, and then build upon something that we think might be beneficial for our listeners. Um, but again, uh, I, I, would, I, I would probably take this phrase from someone who, 
is known for uh, cults. I'm going to flip it a little bit, but he used to say, uh, I think it was turn up, uh, tune in, and uh, drop out. And I'm going to say turn up, tune in, and wake up. Isn't that nice? Kind of like that. Yeah, that's but a nice phrase. Who was the author of that original phrase? He, I don't remember his name. I was listening to a podcast with uh, with the 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 female. Well, I'm not going to say female wolf because that's derogatory. You, know, no. <laughs> you know that that's one of my favorite parts about taking a little poetic license with this this kind of genre, if you will, is that you can always use by anonymous. You know. As far as quotes are concerned. Yeah, he was an anonymous guy who was a part of a cult. I don't remember his name. So to me, he's anonymous. Well, cults these days, there are a lot of them. And I think that's going to be actually part of the topic a little bit later in this. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that being a part of the topic. I think definitely something interesting to talk about. And, you know, we live in a country and in a time where cults are, are, well, depending on who you ask, but for the most case, cults are not lacking. Um, But, you know, don't you think that cults... Well, there's probably two types, right? There's probably the type that is purely intentional, some charismatic person or group that has a specific agenda. So like the Manson cult. Well, I don't even know if that's that fits the definition. We could probably get into it a little more, but I guess where I'm going with this is that you have someone that has <clears throat> intent to create a cult for some either nefarious purpose or financial gain, et cetera, Disney, et cetera. And then, Disney. And then, Disney. <laughs> shh, you're going back to the mouse <laughs> oh, again. shit. <laughs> Damn it. You're going to have to bleep that out. Well, or, oh, but, or you have this, this carryaway effect. And there's probably a better definition than saying carryaway. But, but I guess what I'm saying is you have somebody that has the best, in- <coughs> excuse me, the best Don't intentions die. in the world and ends up going too far pushing the limits of whatever their idea, probably good idea was, Mm -hmm. and then falling over the cliff's edge and bringing a lot of people with them. Yeah, and that brings us to, I guess, our first portion of the discussion today is really a little bit of a refresher on some of the phrases that we used in the last episode. Um, You know, one of them being apathy. Um, You want to throw on the definition, the definition hat? I don't know. I really don't care. Wow, you did the definition and you at literally... At the same time, didn't Wow, that was, it was a pretty... That's, that was great. Oh, uh, well, I'll work on it. Uh, but, I mean, that that really is the essence of apathy, is it not? Yeah. Just I just... I don't care. There's it, Whatever it is, it either is something that is not important enough within the context of your own relationship or small group of, of people around you that you care for, et cetera, that... that it's on the periphery, so you just don't care about it. You're apathetic about it. Yeah, which I mean, and, and in some instances, it's 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 an okay, you know, way to be about certain things. Um, I think the the blatant indifference we're seeing now is a little bit too prolific, um, but obviously that can be better stated later on in the episode. But I guess the second thing that we kind of discuss, and I phrased it, and you can you're welcome to disagree with me um, or provide your thoughts. I'd prefer you provide your thoughts. I like it when people agree. What if I'm um, apathetic about your thoughts? Then you've made that a choice. That could be a real problem. Yeah, then you've made a choice. <laughs> You're not on either <laughs> end. You've made a decision, as we stated in the last episode. Making um, a decision or not. Hey, making a decision is making a decision. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but the second thing is, is, is uh, you know, really... God, this sounds like we're going through freaking definition. We're reading out of the Webster's Dictionary. Um, the second thing is, uh, is entropy. Um, and obviously, there's a few different meanings. Uh, b- initial premise is chemistry. 
probably have a better actual uh, thermodynamics. Yeah, he, he would have a better understanding yeah. of this than me. I'm merely a wolf. Um, with that being but said, you're, you're talking about social context. Here. Yeah, I'm talking about lack of order or predictability. Yeah. You know, gradual decline. Yeah, decline into chaos is really what that comes down to. Correct? Is that is that the yeah. way you define entropy? Uh because, yeah. Yeah. You know, something, uh, whether we're talking about a physical object like a block of wood or whether we're talking about a group of people, they have within their being, they have potential energy. Mm-hmm. Something that can come out of them and produce, if there is order, can mm-hmm. produce something positive, right? Yeah. But when wood turns into, when wood has uh, an application of heat, mm-hmm. it changes into you know, charcoal and gas and yeah. in smoke, etc. So there's a change. There's a chaotic, randomness change, which is transferring that potential energy into something else, and that's entropy. You gave the most scientific, scientific, <laughs> scientific. You gave the most scientific example possible. When I think of entropy, I think of someone who goes to the gym, lifts their entire time, and becomes super, <laughs> super powerful, and then stops going for a long time, and then you see their arm, and they hold it up, and all of a sudden, like, the muscles just <laughs> wag in there, being held there only by skin. That's what I think of, which is probably not accurate, but I live in a comedy world these days. Um, but anyway, just to move it forward but, a little but bit. But no, I, I really, what is what is your definition of entropy in terms of the the things you've been reading lately Mm -hmm. some very interesting subjects and and really what you're seeing out there as far as collective groups of people that are kind of lost and nowhere to put that potential energy so there's all this randomness and it's Mm -hmm. got to come out somewhere and it comes out in chaos yeah I, i would say that i guess the the best example that i could give which what i would i would and this is probably i'm gonna have to phrase this in a certain way wolves do not choose their phrases well, I can't just spit this one out because we were already canceled in the last episode, and I can't. <laughs> they can't true. happen every that's, episode because eventually true. it'll get serious. I guess my 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 hot take, mm-hmm. the wolf's hot take mm-hmm. on what entropy is currently is kind of what you're seeing um, with what I would I would I would guess phrases the American American dream. I think is a good example, and you're you're giving me a puzzled look right now. And I'll get around to my initial end oh, explaining. I think the bull just had a little gas. No, well, well, that could be it too. Yeah, that could be it. Um, what I mean by that is not the initial premise of the American dream. I think the initial premise is a wonderful thing. I think most people who are not from the United States still hold that organic, enlightened view of opportunity, pursuit of happiness, uh, the ability to pursue. Um, you know, unhinged from the restraints of an authoritarian and abusive government. A greater future for themselves and their children. Right? And everyone and that, around them. And everyone around them. Isn't that, that isn't that, I think you're right on the money with mm-hmm. that, what that American dream really is. Mm-hmm. The question I have with what you're saying though, is do Americans still have an American? Sorry, I had to take a, a drink of my, my energy beverage. Um, <laughs> I think Americans have a very conflicted view of what they understand to be the American dream because you've got a very you've got a a varying spectrum of individuals who are you know towards the end of their lives who are trending towards the end of their lives who are middle aged who are getting towards middle age who are youthful and young and who are children and I think the gradation of differences and in interpretation obviously there's a lot of influences and and changes and factors that may push people in certain ways. But I would suggest for my particular generation of wolves, which is, you know, 
Man, I'm getting close to 30. Huh. Um, oh, boy. That's a that's a big number. That is a big number. Uh, so I would say for my generation, I think that we don't, we don't for lack of a derogatory swear word that's any worse than this one, we have no flying fucks what the American dream is. And I, I'm not saying that because we don't understand it you know, intellectually. I'm saying that because we've lived such a prosperous, for the most part, such a prosperous, ample life mm-hmm. that our understanding is skewed. You know, I think it's a, a not just a perspective thing, but it's a differentiation between uh, what you see as a vision for your future can't be too near you, or it's not. It, it's attain. It's too attainable. Uh-huh. It's it's not valuable enough unless it's just out of reach. And I think generations before this, everything was just out of reach, and it was like, oh, can we get there? Can we get there? Maybe a generation later. Yeah, but I mean, you also have to consider the ramifications of certain historical events. I mean, you had the the builders were before the boomers, correct? Correct. So you got the builders who just got out of the builders. The, you got to remember the builders got hammered. Well, though. they got well, they got well. That's what I'm saying is they got out of the arguably, arguably, in a lot of ways, you know, maybe prior to this, and in in the term of hot wars, arguably the worst mm-hmm. time in in human history. Um, now, granted, there's probably another. I mean the 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 no, massive I, I murders of you know, <clears throat> is it Genghis? Genghis Khan? Genghis? Genghis? Damn it! It's Genghis. Genghis? Genghis? Tomato? Genghis. Well, I mean, you could argue that the, the massive. Well, there, moral... there. If you go through, I, there's it's examples. funny as you get older, yeah. and I think this is still true today. You know, the youth today has more information at their fingertips, literally, than any generation before them, compounded mm-hmm. multiple, multiple times, but. Understanding the context from your own personal history is part of growing older. Yeah, it truly is. It, it as what's that? Was that what is that? Wisdom? No, could be. <laughs> I don't. You know what? But bulls are kind of naturally wise. They're not you unless know, you're like for, one of those like what was the cartoon? It wasn't Peppy Le Pew. It was one Pepe, of the. He was a skunk. No, it wasn't Peppy. It was the other one, the Looney Tune that had the bull. That was. It was with. It was Bugs. It was with Bugs Bunny. Where like he never it, had a bull. There was a bull that Bugs Bunny. I shit you not. There was an episode where Bugs Bunny fought a bull, and it was this big, massive red bull, and it was always angry. And I, I can't. Oh, remember. you know what? You get. You sure that was no. That I don't know. well enough. That had to be like. It was Looney Tunes. Uh, uh, Succotash Sam or whatever his name was. Suffering, Suffering succotash. No, that was somebody else. No, it, it, was, uh, it was okay. We're going way down. On anyway, it. let me get let me get back to what I was saying a second ago. Is I guess my point is the 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 degradation and the, the degradation the degradation I guess and the gradations of differences in understanding the American dream are obviously impacted by the life experiences you were saying a second ago mm-hmm. that the generations have experienced. So, for example. You've got the the builders that came out of World War II that came back and were like, oh my God, we almost all died. Let's have a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. Then you had out of that the boomers who you know went through Vietnam and they went through the, the I guess some of them may have been young enough to have been born around the Korean War, the Forgotten War that everyone forgets about. Which Bo- is, boomers, it depends on what you talk about, but it's usually forty one to sixty four. Yeah. That's kind of the 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 norm. So there's... yeah, they were definitely at fifty four. They were definitely old mm-hmm. enough to remember that, and that was by a lot of historian standards the last actual hot war between two great powers and that was just was considered China. police action by the way it was just a, a proxy war really is what that came down to korean war uh, in part yeah, yeah. In, in part it was, it was yeah you know but i mean these 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 actions have been going on throughout history sure. and people treat each other worse than i think anybody would agree they treat each other worse than uh we should 
at any time. And yeah. You, and you'd think that as we get further and further along in our civilization, that would change. And in some degrees it does. But I, but I think to go back to your point about randomness and chaos and what's coming out of the society mm-hmm. today and, and the apathy and entropy that, in, that in, engulfs the whole thing, a, a lot of it to me comes from the view of life that doesn't give enough priority or enough value to whatever is defined as that American dream to you and mm-hmm. me. That's good. And, and it, you know, up until this last generation, maybe 10 years ago or so, maybe, maybe more like the turn of the century, it was the first generation that could look and find out since the 20s, since the, since the, the Great Depression, that would not be wealthier than their parents. Yeah, but it was also the first generation that I guess would lived in a world in which most people didn't outwardly trust others, which I think has significantly impacted. No, like my generation, millennials. Are you talking about? Are you talking about Gen Xers? I I think every generation has had a lot of distrust for things around. Look at McCarthyism and everything that went on. Well, true, but that was for a particular reason. McCarthyism was one hundred percent bred out of actual legitimate concern with the Red Scare. Well, there were truly people from the Communist Party in the government. And at the time, everyone thought McCarthy was crazy, which is hilarious. Yeah, and he... Um, Which kind of was. Kind of a dick, but he wasn't... He was a little crazy. Just a tad crazy. You know, I I think crazy is a fine edge between that and pragmatism. True. That is true. Um, But I I guess... I guess my point in saying that is, you know, you've you've got something like, you know, um, Y2K, everyone thought the world would end. And then you've got mm-hmm. 9-11, um, everyone thought the world would end. And then you've got, you know, COVID-19, fast forward, you know, another 10 or 20 years, oh my God. Um, and the atmosphere of trust is non-existent, in, mm-hmm. in, especially among my generation. I mean, I've had multiple discussions with people my age who are still single who don't know how to approach interactions with the opposite sex purely based around all the nonsensical rules and lack of trust that each gender or the myriad of genders, depending on how you like to well, understand the things. Of, the lack of um, person immersion communication has to have a lot to do with that. To I mean, degree, every, yeah. everybody talks in bites today in little snippets in, in everything that's becoming more and more popular, popularized has to capture your attention in shorter and shorter time spans. Yeah. How do you develop a relationship with somebody in trust in those other people, unless you have time with them. Well, that's the thing that's absent. Well, I think, and that's, I guess, goes back to, you know, our discussion of apathy and entropy is, you know, when I talk with people, when, and, I, and even I've used this, everyone's used this, we're all human, we're all guilty. Believe it or not, guys, I am human. Um, we're all guilty of the same phrase of saying, I don't have enough time. And there are instances where that's true. I mean, people are busy, people have lives, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes priorities take, uh, you know, position over, you know, leisure activities. Uh, but that statement doesn't really mean much of anything because time, even though we all have the same amount of time in the day, 24 mm-hmm. hours, there are people who make time mm-hmm. they make time for things. And, you know, uh, just to kind of push forward into the, the entropy and apathy discussion, I, I pulled up a few interesting quotes that I thought kind of applied to what I well, see. I, I would tell you though, that, you know, it, 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 just to jump in real quick before you get into that mm-hmm. is that the societal behaviors that we're talking about. Um, can be looked at as as little snippets in the evolution of our society, mm-hmm. and they can be overlooked as important or not important. But when they start to gain momentum, like you've seen over the course of the last few years, and then you apply something like this pandemic on top of it, and the volatility and the 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 level of politicizing that comes out of almost everything that goes on today, and I enjoy talking about this well, stuff, but it, but it. 
it reminds you of the, 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 the whole series of things. You know, one of the, one of the sayings you hear all the time is, is you've got to be able to learn from your history or you're doomed to repeat it. Right. And, and you can read books on history, like the rise and fall of the, the Roman empire. Well, if you look at historical context and why that, that empire fell, it didn't fall in a night. No, it fell over, over time. I, I think it was like a couple but, hundred years. But it, it, it lines up perfectly with, with one of the quotes you mentioned. Yeah. It, that, you know, civilizations die from suicide, not from murder. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, interesting. And the reason I picked it is because there not only is there a mass uptick in, you know, suicides, especially when it comes to the United States over the last few years. But there's also a mass uptick in things like, you know, use of, of recreational drugs. I was looking at, uh, you know, the book I referenced in our last uh, our last uh, discussion, The uh, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker. Fantastic book. Steven would love to talk with you one day. Um, he was talking about how over time, you know, certain things uh, like homicides and death from violent crime and death from car accidents and things like that over time have actually dropped because of um, human ingenuity, because of, um, you know, uh, you know, rules that we've made over time from, you know, uh, trial and error, the error being, you know, your doom. Um, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that he noticed over the last maybe 20 or 30 years is that rather than because po- I mean poisonings, all that stuff have have dropped significantly to like near minuscule levels, uh, in part just to all those rules and things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has shot up was poison by liquid. And the only reason it shot up is because it was taken into consideration alcohol, alcohol, mm-hmm. and opiates, mm-hmm. and and abuse of drugs. And look, I am all for recreational, do whatever you want, but there are reasons why there are certain things. In society, there's a reason why there's a reason why certain things in society tend to proliferate through the society, and it's uh it's like the, and it's a social, I wouldn't say it's a social decay, but I definitely would say that it's something that to be concerned about because when we're talking about civilizations and their their cultivation and their you know lasting through time, those civilizations have a myriad of different pillars that they all recognize and they can bind together around, and. You know, in my very short, nearly 30 years of life, I've seen in that time people find reasons specifically to avoid agreeing with people they disagree with. Mm-hmm. And it's not purely because, you know, those individuals have, you know, a desire to be malicious towards the other side. I think it's more along the fact that they choose just not to understand the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, there's a myriad, there's a myriad of reasons we could dive into. I think that's kind of another conversation, but well, I got to ask you though, because we're, we're talking about, so these things, these two things are tied together inextricably, you know, the, the, the quote itself, which is Arnold, uh, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Historian yeah British from historian. British, so civilizations die from suicide, not from murder. Yeah. Now we can, what you're talking about is a more literal take on that. Right. The, well, I would all argue. these things being the civilization itself. But I, I read that. Yeah. I think you do, too, as a civilization turns on itself. Well, but then again, suicide in part, it, it, there's I think there's a lot of definitions that people don't tend to think about. You can talk about. I mean, it's like it's like people who um, over time develop um, comorbidities through 
certain decisions. Long, slow suicide. So that's a suicide or, or emotional but, suicide. But isn't that just the same thing you're talking about before? Because you know people that, that, that uh, diabetes, for instance, which sure. is prolific in our society today, is the primary function is inactivity and in, mm-hmm. in the wrong types of food sure. in large quantities of them, right? But all that is is in, endorphin feeding, right? It's, it's, just, it's just a drug. Well, it's endor- it's endorphin feeding because the person, and this is me broad quoting. Please, this is just a biased opinion. Okay, this is I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physician. This is me just s- talking bullshit. I think the reason people go for that and and there's and, or high drug use levels mm-hmm. is that it's 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 part. It's I mean it's it's it ties into the apathy. If you're apathetic towards yourself, you're not going to consider what is good for yourself. If you're apathetic towards your existence, you're not going to consider things that would benefit your long-term existence because you don't see a purpose in that. So really what you're saying, if I gather all this stuff up and, mm-hmm. and it's try a little, to line it's it up scattered. Yeah, it's a little scattered. Do, do some <laughs> vector addition here is what I'll do since we're talking about thermodynamics, is that you're saying that the, the overriding sense of apathy in our civilization today, in our, in our society today, kind of points itself to entropy. Yes. In you know, in the the Greek root of entropy, that that word itself it means a turning toward transformation. Mm-hmm. It's like the beginning of chaos. Yeah, I, I hate. I'm not a doomsayer, but it kind of feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Well, and I, I would say that for the most part, and, and this kind of ties back to the book I've, I've been reading. And the reason it feels that way is due to availability bias. I mean, because we haven't experienced, at least in our lifetimes, we haven't experienced some major, well, actually COVID. No, we have. We have experienced major events. We've experienced a lot of we major have. events. And, you, and so, you were born in early 90s, right? Yeah, 92. Okay, well, 9-11 the was something. War. Well, 91, actually. But You know, it's it's hard when these foreign wars occur because they're from a distance. And, and one of the two, I think it was the second one, there was kind of a media blackout for part of it as well. So you didn't mm-hmm. get the full entrenched kind of dialogue that you would see. You didn't feel it yeah. until you saw people come home with limbs missing and things like that. You didn't, you didn't understand quite what was going, what was going on. Uh, Vietnam was in your face constantly back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was very disruptive period in, in the United States history. Which, and, is, which really, the, the parallels to the 1960s, They're 1970s, is eerily, it. it is eerily similar right now. Yeah, it's it's just what we talked about a minute ago. It's we're repeating history, right? Yeah, and, and, and I mean, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think this, this is a perfect segue into, I guess, the second quote that I found by, you know, by John Milton, who, for those of you who enjoy poetry, John Milton <laughs> is an excellent Excellent poet, but one thing that is attributed to him that I thought was actually pretty, pretty um, insightful, and I'm going to say this in my best English. Oh boy, my Look ye out. old English. I'm not going to. That would be terrible. Uh, the quote is: "How oft in nations gone corrupt, and by their own devices brought down to servitude, that man chooses bondage before liberty, bondage with with ease before strenuous liberty." And I think that really resonates with apathy and eventually empathy, because as some people choose to see it, politics is downstream of culture. And what happens, you know, within the culture, what's accepted by the culture, be it high levels of drug use or um, or chaos um, or violence, political violence, all these things, they become 
second nature in the political sphere until the citizen who should be understanding of their civic duties becomes desensitized by what they see and it becomes norm. Um, and that is not conducive to a society that will last for a long time. Now, granted, we're both not being doomsdayers. I personally think, is it doomsayers or doomsdayers? I think they both work. Okay. Well, we're both, <laughs> we're both, we're not trying to do that. I think that the point is to bring a, a really focused, condensed mm -hmm. view, maybe microscopic view on the problems that we see currently. Well, and the title of his book is it, the title of his most famous poem, right? Paradise, Paradise Lost. Lost. Jinx, you owe me another drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I'll get one in a minute. But, but, and, and that's kind of fitting for what we're talking about because mm -hmm. those that are, are asking to put, have handcuffs put on them mm -hmm. in society are kind of destined to have a master, right? Yeah. And that's, that's really what he's talking about in, in the loss of paradise. I mean, he's talking, there's, you know, double entendre and everything mm -hmm. else going on behind the scenes with his poetry as most poems should be. Yeah. But really what he's talking about is the fall of grace. Mm -hmm. And in our society as a whole, we can look at a lot of the things that go on and go, are we falling from grace? Are we are we changing? Not that this is a paradise. It's long from a paradise. But, well, well, yeah. but history would would argue that this is the most peaceful time we've ever seen in all of and human history. And it is the history. most free. Yes, that, that's the that's the one thing that people fail to put in context when they deliberate about how terrible their life circumstances are in this country. And you got to be you got to be real careful of, yeah. of how everybody looks at things through their own glasses, their own filters, as we talked about before. But you, you've got to look at things in, in comparative mode. Well, and, and I think that that's really why there's been this disconnect for a lot of people. Um, you know, it comes to the, the, the past events of the last year. And uh, you know, obviously I have my own opinions on it. I think that there is always with any situation questionable things that could be looked back on as, mm -hmm. as it, especially with hindsight, cause it's always 2020. Um, but I do think that there has definitely been an outcry from a lot of people in a myriad of different ways. Um, as we discussed in our, our last episode that, you know, a, a desire to have some semblance of reason. Um, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about critical. I'm talking about like, why do I exist? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think both of those things, you know, as we've seen, multiple times throughout society um, have been try have tried to be filled with mm -hmm. artificial empty things like political like drugs, affiliation, like, the, like drugs, um, like uh, cults, sex. Um, I mean, there's, there's a myriad of different things in society that, that people fall prey to not because of malicious intent, because the road to hell is not paved with malicious intentions, it's paid with good intentions, but because they haven't chosen or they haven't decided to clarify what's important to them. Um, or they have no idea. Which I, which I would argue is kind of like the, the if you vote or don't vote, you've made a decision either way. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same. And, and that goes back to civic duty. You know, there's this, this unspoken part of the responsibility of being a citizen of your country um, the agreement. See, I, I, I tend to tend to differ a little bit on what you're saying there because okay. there is such a thing as civic duty that's that's talked about all the time, and it tends to be talked about in a way that from above, if you yeah. will, from a politician or from somebody in charge of something that tries to force upon others this idea that it is their duty to do whatever it is they're going to do. Sure. And I look at more as a, a civic right. It's your right. To do something, 
It's also your right not to do something, which, as you said previously, that is a decision. Either way, it is a decision. And there are consequences of those decisions as long as you're a cogent human being that understands the ramifications of to do or to do not then you have the right to do either or neither. In a moral and just society, would argue that 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 is true, would Mm -hmm. also argue that by having the right is your responsibility to uphold the right, meaning that if you see someone in trouble, you see someone in danger, you see something being abused, it's our responsibility and our duty as citizens to call it out, not only because it's good to call something out that you disagree with, but also because it's good in a different... But that's what you would be doing. Exactly. So... No, let me let me get after that a little yeah. bit because if if you if you're going to take on the responsibility as a duty to intervene, sure, with something, then you must be responsible for your judgment on what that is you're intervening about. Well, and I think that's an unspoken. I think that's unspoken. Well, it's unspoken, but it's it's it derivates from person to person. If you and I are both watching the same event, mm-hmm. and there are there are standards that sure. you we both see. And there are nuances that we both differ on. Mm-hmm. That's the spice of life in the first place. That's why there's a wolf and there's a bull, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, we'd all be wolves or all be bulls. Poetic. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> you're poetic, one or the other, right? <laughs> but my my point is, is that you're, you're conflating, in my opinion, sure. you're conflating a, a right with a duty. But and that might be the case. I'm I'm willing to accept wrongitude. I'm using wrongitude. I'm using I'm using dadisms <laughs> now. I'm not even a dad. Um, I, I guess. Well, I'll let you. I'll let no, you I, I I was just going to kind of kind of divert our attention a little bit from this because you know a lot of these things that we're talking about are are vitally important for you know civilization to go marching along with with anything other than tribalism. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is. Whether it's big or small, we all kind of become tribes. We all become, in, in, I think one of the most important elements of life in general is community. Sure. It's, I, I was watching a scientific study the other day on, a, I think it was a thing from a couple of years ago on a science channel. And it, they were talking about longevity and, and trying to enhance longevity and the difference between 100 years ago and today as far as the expectancy, life expectancy. And Wild, like that. Wildly different. Well, it's a it's night it's, and day. It's the difference between forty seven years, mm-hmm. and I think it was eighty seven or no, eighty eighty years. I think it was yeah, seventy eight. It was years. it was like a a forty. What they came up with a whole lot of statistics. We don't need to get into that now. But the one thing the the study has shown over time, and I'm talking about a fifty year period of multiple psychological and physiological studies, is that the number one component for longevity was a sense of community. Sure. Which has been absent for at least a year now amongst most I, I would argue, I would argue that, and this is a little bit um, conspiracy theory-esque, but I would argue on behalf of things like social media that have put on the face of um, morality and empathy, um, I would argue that the lack of community has been brewing under the, the surface of American society since 2011. And other people would say that those social media empires are communities in themselves. And I, that's where I disagree. I think they're snippets. I and I know, didn't you watch the uh, the um, thing on Hulu the other day? Yeah, yeah. About we, community in general, we work. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, for our listening audience, and this is uh, a nod to Hulu, who every once in a while makes really good documentaries and has hilarious cartoons on there. Um, <laughs> I'm a child; I watch cartoons. Um, we work or the making and breaking of a forty-seven billion dollar unicorn documentary, which is the most hilarious name of a documentary I've ever heard in my life. Um, Quite good. Um, written and directed by Jed Rothstein. Um, basically follows the 
the world bending economic prowess of a man named Adam, Adam Newman, who, uh, who founded WeWork and over time, um, due to some very interesting choices, uh, was ultimately forced out. Um, I think what was it over a period Just of like 10 years, they went from zero valuation to 47, 47 billion, million, or billion, 47 billion, B. excuse me. And a unicorn, of course, in terms of the, the financial community is when you have a company that you bring to a billion dollar valuation. Yeah, which is and, incredible. And, which in is and of itself. what all these these hedge fund managers and all these financial people on Wall Street are looking for. That's the bet. You want to bet on somebody when they're worth nothing. Well, the next one, the next one's Dogecoin. We're taking it to the moon. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Old joke. Wow. God, it's like a million years in 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 online time. Yeah, I'm a I'm I'm an ancient druid with that reference. Oh boy. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it was a really, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I don't know about you. I thought it was a fantastic documentary. Um, only reason we're bringing this up, uh, specifically, and this is something that I kind of took away from it because, and this is what I was going to say, I, I guess in relation to our last topic, but I, it's relevant here. Um, you know, when it comes to civic duty, I think the one thing that people tend to not acknowledge is the whole premise behind, excuse me, energy drink. Um, the whole premise behind, you know, the United States of America was leveling the play, playing field between those who have and those who have not. Um, that was the idea behind it. It was giving everyone a the same starting point, giving everyone the ample opportunity to go after something that they truly desired. And in doing so, it removed the barrier from the ultra haves of society to the ultra have nots. That was the whole premise. And you, you take someone like George Washington. Um, and what I mean by this, and you're, you're, you're giving me a look again, but what I mean by this is, you know, civic duty, it makes you equal with your public servants, meaning you have the same responsibility they do to fulfill, you know, the freedom that you're pursuing and to make sure yeah, that they I, don't, I think, ab- I, think you know need to, I think we need to unpack this bit. Okay. Well, let me, let I me finish though. Let me okay. finish for a second. Cause this ties into Adam Newman, mm-hmm. um, George Washington at the end of his, you know, his time being president was, you know people were calling for him to be the king of the United States. Yeah. And he, for reasons unknown, in my opinion, because the guy for the most part had a lot that went wrong during his time in the military. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. was a, a giant among men at the time. He was, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, gregarious people enjoyed being around him. Uh, he had every opportunity to abuse the power that he himself and the founding fathers instated and he chose not to. And I think the whole premise that I'm getting at is when we talk about civic duty, when we talk about apathy, when we talk about understanding what your responsibilities are, not only to yourself, but your fellow man in doing so, there's no difference between yourself and the fellow man, not in individuality, but in responsibility. My responsibility in society is the same as your responsibility. It does not matter what my interpretation of it is. If if we agree to the same moral code, if we agree to the same existence, I think that that's something that people choose not to acknowledge. So when it comes to Adam Newman, who I think went on an interesting path um, from an employment perspective, he clearly conflated over time his being the CEO to his almost being messianic messianic you know or or like a king which would which is what george uh washington could have very well done and chose not to am i making any sense i feel like i'm kind of rambling a little bit well no the rambling's fine i I, that's you know (laughs) you know sometimes wolves tend to go off in their own direction and just howl at the moon and you're perfectly welcome to do that (laughs) just as long as you're not howling in my meadow sure well you yeah (laughs) I won't be anywhere but, near. Well, that. there's there's a couple things you said. And I was giving you a, a funny look because you were you were 
uh, putting together this kind of, I don't know. I was uh, getting very meta. Well, you might have been getting meta, but the, the, the United States was not put together to suddenly make everybody equitable. No, 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 no. That's not what that's I'm saying. That's what it came yeah. off as. Okay, so let me not... clarify for the listeners. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it, it, not talking about They just equity. wanted a seat at the table, for God's sakes. That's what They'd I'm saying. They'd still been England Equality. for another 200 years if, they, so, if England would have paid more attention. To so it. that's my point, is it wasn't It's not. It wasn't in that time about equity. I'm not talking about everyone being, you know, how much... How much well, you said everybody just start at the same place. Okay, and that and technically... I, Tech, from a civic point of view, if that's what you're talking about, no, 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 the opportunity was there. That's what I'm talking about: is the opportunity, the clarifying, There's the pursuit of happiness, the clarifying of not having the government. Okay, you might want to repeat that again, okay? Because yeah, so it's the pursuit, pursuit of happiness, not the attainment of happiness. Thank you. So, so just to clarify for our listeners, I was not saying that everyone is equal; that everyone should be equal. And there are arguments for or against that. I'll recognize them. And I think they all have merit to some degree. With that being said, I think the main differentiating factor when it comes to the discussion of civic duty, avoiding entropy, avoiding apathy is understanding that just because Joe Smo across the road is making a million five dollars a year and drives a goddamn Lamborghini, it doesn't mean he's any more of a human than you are. And I think that it also doesn't mean that he's any more ingenu- ingenious than you are. He might be doing different things, but it doesn't mean you can't. Mm-hmm. And and I guess my point is saying, you know, even though we can fault Adam Newman for the myriad of mistakes he chose to make, because I don't think you stumble into mistake. You don't fall down in, in, into something like that. You make mm-hmm. conscious decisions. The one thing that he recognized is that he had potential, and so did the people around him. And when it comes to, like, the cult thing we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. there's a common... The common habit within, especially my generation, where for some odd reason, we are very, and maybe the generation before us, we are very prone to engaging in these cult-like situations for lack of community. And I've always found it baffling. And maybe that's just because I'm a critical person. That could very well be it. Well, I think all of us as human beings, when I say all, there's always outliers, of course. But most of us as human beings desire to be part of a, a larger whole, a larger community. And what ends up happening in these situations, and Adam Newman is a pretty good example of this, is you you derive a, a charismatic figure with a uh, entrepreneurial idea in this case, and then unfortunately it loses steam unless you provide an emotional opportunity for people to engage and invest not just financially, but their lives into something. Mm-hmm. And then it goes over an edge. And and that could happen again. Remember, we started this conversation. We were talking about intent versus, uh, I don't know what the right word for it is, but something that's done intentional, which mm-hmm. I don't believe in this case, when we were talking about WeWork, this is, or something that kind of uh, just kind of snowballs into something out of control. Yeah, but again, and I would I would say that this is something that you and I might differ on just a tad. Um, I definitely don't think it was intentional um, from a malicious perspective, but I do think there were calculated decisions made, and past a certain point in time, the payout versus the negative, obviously, you know, the payout was chosen over the negative, um, which led to the snowball. So, you know, when it comes to something like Adam Newman, I, I, the point's not to... It's not to bash him. I mean, even though it was, I thought it was very odd that he came away with $1.9 billion, um, which, man, well, well that tells well done. the tale right there. Well, well, well done. No, that, mean, t- <laughs> that tells the ultimate tale because what you're talking about has all the justification in the world because of that 
end agreement. Yeah, one point right? nine billion dollars. If if the if it was a snowball and snowball alone, and it ended up being something that you know he couldn't control any longer, and he kept having to push money to try to get to a certain edge, and then when when Masa, the guy from Japan, oh yeah, the, the vision, investor, the vision yeah. investor, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't support him any longer, it was down the chute, right? And it, but when he took a buyout of that nature, you knew. It, he was do, not doing it for everybody else's good. He was doing it for his good. Period. Yeah, which uh, at the end of the day, most I mean, most people would do. And I, I think that for a lot of people who don't support the you know the system of capitalism, they point to stuff like that and say, "Well, this is why it shouldn't." Um, and you know, I think to kind of dive into this a little bit deeper uh, and to you know <laughs> stop. Uh, crucifying Adam Newman. <laughs> um, sorry, Adam. So you sorry. You say that after calling him messianic. Yeah, Come on, right, now. That, watch that was that. the joke. <laughs> yeah, that very subtle nod there. Um, but and it was after the weekend days. of yeah, Easter. Easter exactly. <laughs> oh yes. God, oh, heresy. Um, but I guess my question for a lot of this is, you know, you've got throughout this entire documentary, and then in a myriad of other instances of cult-like situations where people come away from it and they say, "Oh, I just." I, I saw the warning signs and I didn't want to acknowledge them or it hit me, blindsided me. And the thing I've always really questioned about a lot of it is what is it that drives people to ignore the red flags that are not, they're not disguised. I, I can tell you. Okay. Hope. Hope. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I have been in my lifetime, uh, both an investor and an engineer of new things. I won't get into what those things are because I'm still developing some of those things, <laughs> but there has been, there, there's a philosophy in business that you draw up a business plan and you draw certain, certain lines. I, I loved, I love the saying that you, you know, put your, your goals in cement and your plans in sand, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. the, then you're always going for something that is solid, but you know, it, their, their pathway to get to those goals is going to be changing along the way. The problem with that saying, from my point of view over time, is that if your goal is to create this business organization, whatever whatever you want to call it, whatever direction it is, whatever widget you want to create, whatever service you do, whatever it is, and then you say, okay, I can finance it up to this point. And once I reach that point, no more. Well, I can tell you from experience is the closer you get to that line, the more you justify walking over that line. And once you walk over that line, you end up spending so much that you can't get back from it, hmm. or it's very difficult. The decisions become harder and harder and harder to get get back to that point. Interesting. So you almost sort of pigeonhole yourself towards the goal mm-hmm. if things aren't you know appropriately allocated or certain things occur that are not. You know. I think it's a common man a common man's problem, and I don't mean that to be denigrating at all because I'm a common man. But what ends up happening is unless you have no, you're you're a, con- you're a bull. Uh, I'm a common bull. Huh. <laughs> unless you're someone that has a certain amount of disposable income off to the side and it says, I'm going to use this to play whatever situation I'm trying to play entrepreneurially, whatever it is, you've got to write yourself that check and understand that that could be gone. Period. So, so so here's the follow-up question that why do you think that so many of my generation specifically on the employee side of things fall into these almost cult-like workplaces in which lifestyle and job and identity and individualism and because there's no cement for them for them hmm. 
I mean, th- think about that for a second. I yeah, mean, you're, we'll, you're we millennial, pause right? there for a second and let that sink in. <laughs> don't sink in the cement. Well, <laughs> but I mean, because the cement, if you, if you don't have, let, let's put it this so way. You, there might be cement there, but it's not set. So what do you, cons- so you're going to sink in it. Like, so do you consider that cement moral truths? That we see in society? Do you consider that cement a nuclear family? Do you consider that cement a proper plan of advancement? What do you consider that cement? Because I think... Yes. Okay, so all of that. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter which one you take or if it's all of them or two of them or five of them. You have to have some kind of standard upon uh-huh. which you are either trying to achieve to yeah. or that you make your stand on. All right, guys. Well, that's everything. Um, you know, we uh, have wrapped up this weekend of Away with the Wolf and the Bull. Uh, it's going to be about a $5,000 payout. Thank you so much for coming to this conference. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, well, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you don't really, because I didn't get that when I was a kid. I didn't get that uh, or when I was a, when I was a wee lad. Oh, a wee, wee lad. pop. Um, I'm Irish. I can say that. Get out of my face. Um when I was a wee, a wee wolf pup, I didn't get that. I didn't get the the traditional, you need to have these things set in cement. You need to have this goal, the nuclear family. Obviously, you know, you're not, you're my, your background and my background are different. And we dove into it a little bit, but I didn't come from a, a nuclear, traditional nuclear family home. I came from a slightly fractured family. Um, and, you know, same with, you know, my parents. They struggled with the same familial issues. And, you know, I... I what gets me, and, and and maybe this is just because I'm an outlier or like the the WeWork company, I'm a, a $47 billion unicorn. <laughs> um, what gets me is the proliferation now of fragmentation in ways throughout our entire society, which ties back to obviously the message of empathy is what is it that's causing this problem? Is it because everyone can see it. I can see it. You can see it. We can see it in a myriad of different ways. Sure, sure. And and I don't know what it is. I mean, some people would say it's like pillars, like the, the you know the theology being removed. Some people say it's pillars of trust being removed. Some people say it's pillars of communication. Um, I, I I don't can't put my finger on it exactly either. I don't think anybody can. But my opinion of this is that people lack um, a personal goal. They lack a personal, uh, and, and secondarily, and this is even more important than that, because goals can change, mm-hmm. right? You, matter of fact, as soon as you achieve one, if you stop trying to reset your goal, you're done for. You got to keep moving, progressing forward. But there's no construct that they place upon themselves. In, in other words, you have to form some habits. Well, you yeah, have to I think- form the ability to... to regiment yourself in some way even if it's small but i I think that that part of the argument there that's part of the argument i think the other half of the argument is there's no identity and i think identity obviously is found through a lot of social experience not social experience for a lot of life experience going different places talking to people identity does not come at you because of circumstances i'm not not done yet i'm not done i think it is molded by that but i think identity is also a choice which the goals come after the choice, right? So if I choose to be something, if I choose to identify with this, if I, no, uh, oh, I, I'm, I'm wrong. I, I'm, no, I don't know if you're wrong or not. I, I feel I'm, like it's very ethereal. I feel like maybe they're two separate, equally important things. If you wait to try to define your own identity, you're never going to find it. This, this is what so I'm you, talking so about with that, goals in, in setting something in, in cement. Because if you, add, I'm, I'm 57 years old. Man, I don't you're know way past the yes, expectancy exactly. of bull. You're like yeah. the oldest bull. 
Exactly. <laughs> Wait, did, did you pull the cart that pulled Jesus as they laid out the Gee. Easter? <laughs> wow, we're having all these Easter messianic references what, what was today. The, well, the fronds what? they laid oh, about. God, that wasn't a bull. That was a donkey. Thank oh, yeah. Sorry. My, my biblical reference was, was off. <laughs> See, there's the problem. You don't have your biblical references. Right, right, I right. I know that you know It that. would have been but, way more but, badass uh, if it was a bull. I'm just... Uh, just <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Probably would have been. been quite the sight. But over there, it probably been a camel, right? Jesus rolls in on a, on a cart, bull, you know, freaking absolutely ripped, running through 25 oh. miles an hour. Everyone's like, who's this G? And he's like, ah, oh, it's That's not Jay. Jay. It's it's G. G. <laughs> oh, that was, I totally uh, lost where the heck I was. Uh, so, you're gonna I, have to remind me because I am 57. Yeah. So you were talking about we were talking about identity. We were talking about how people find these things. Yeah. You brought up it, goals. Well, I, I think my my point of that is is that you people when you're young you're like okay what do I want to do for a career who do I want to be what do I want nowadays it's even a lot lot more different than that nobody knows who they want to be what they want to be what they want to do what they want to wear nothing well pick one okay. It, it, if you want to move forward, you have to decide. You said that at the very beginning of this conversation. You have to decide, not overarching your life goal. And I'm not talking about that. I'm saying pick a direction and go. And it comes full circle. <laughs> and you know what? That's an actual excellent segue into our final discussion topic. And this is something that I actually hold very recently, but very, um, probably for most of my life, very near and dear to how I see a lot of things. And you know, I think it ties into identity as well. Uh, and this spe- specifically has to do with probably one of the most influential characters, not only in American history, but I would argue probably in uh, in, a, in a lot of human history. Probably the most um, identifiable too, as yeah. far as pictures are concerned. And and you know, this individual, you know, he uh, was one of our founding fathers. He was what would be considered a polymath, uh, which is basically kind of a very complicated way of saying a Renaissance man. So someone who has a wide range of knowledge or learning. Um, he was a leading writer, printer, political philosopher, politician, Freemason. Ooh, ooh that would be a fun topic. Well, we were talking um, about cults, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, postmaster, scientist, inventor, humorist, civic activist, statesman, and diplomat. And in 1726, at the age of 20 years old, Benjamin Franklin created a system to develop his character uh, called the 13 Virtues. And, you know, these virtues are they're very interesting. I picked this book up during COVID. Um <laughs> During COVID, the year of COVID, our Lord. Um, I, I picked this up during COVID to maybe explore a little bit of why I was feeling outside of the <laughs> total isolation from everyone, but um, the most important person in my life. So I know, woe is me. Um, <laughs> I, I picked this book up, it's short read, um, but I picked it up thinking that, you know, this might change the way I view some things. And you know, as we've been discussing with entropy and apathy, you know, these things come into play when people don't have a system of beliefs, when they don't have a system of understanding or reasoning, when they don't have uh, a real good grasp of things that are important and things that should be valued over things that shouldn't be. Um, and just, you know, through a quick, you know, one run through, um, in the tie back into Benjamin Franklin, you know, he was, he was a deist. And what a deist is, is someone who believes that there is a higher power um, and that they created the universe, but they remain re- 
they remain apart from it. So I guess a, an interesting way would, you know, to describe that would be, you know, someone who's a deist would believe that there is something out there, but they don't believe that that thing has active involvement nor takes the time to, you know, in, uh, directly impact something of its own, um, volition. So just to tie into these 13 virtues, which are interesting because a lot of them come from, you know, a theological influence, but you know, there's temperance, uh, there's silence, there's order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, and humility. And I won't get too in depth in it because the book is about, you know, $12 well, on What Amazon. I want to know is how many of the 13 have you mastered? Well, that's what's interesting is one, zero. Um, two, <laughs> when it comes to the actual process that Benjamin Franklin went through, he, over time, every day, would look at this, which is probably what I'm missing because I don't Back look at this every day. again. Exactly. Um, he would look at this every day, and for the first you know few weeks, he would focus on only one. So, for example, with temperance, temperance, he would eat not to dullness, and he would drink not to elation. And that's not to say you can't drink. It's not to say that you can't have great food. It's to say that you shouldn't fucking slosh yourself with 85 beers in the evening because you're bored. You should have maybe, I don't know, a glass of whiskey or a <laughs> unnamed drink of energy and call it a day. I usually try to stop after a 12-pack. That's fair. I mean, that's 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 a good cutoff. Um, but I guess bringing this up, and the, only, and the reason I brought it up is I, I feel like a lot of the problems that we face as a society in a very weird roundabout way can be avoided by practicing either something like this or if you have a tie to various theologies, really focusing on, in on the things that are applicable to a enlightened, morally just life. And not to get too preachy, but that's what I would suggest that a lot of people are missing. Well, you know, um, and, and, you know, I've got a list of these virtues as well. I think they're very interesting. And, you know, you have to, to read them with a little bit of a clock in your head as far as the time of, uh, you know, the, the, the time frame that has occurred since these were written down mm -hmm. by him. But they're really, you know, they'll, they'll live on through millennia. Mm -hmm. They really will because they're, they're like they're benchmarks. They're, they're, you know, things you can hang your hat on. Yes, the language will be different, etc. But there's still things that you can look at and say, yes, I need to be a sincere person. I need to moderate. I don't need to overindulge. I need there to be a sense of justice and I need to be a sincere and industrious person. Those are all very, mm -hmm. very important things. That, you know, one of the questions I always have when I look at kind of things like this, because I think habits are very important, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just as likely as the next person to set myself some goals and some habits, and I'm going to do this and that and the other thing, and then I fall off that bandwagon. Yeah. But what I always have to realize is just going through the series of, let's say I've set a goal to do these certain habits for 21 days in a row, mm -hmm. which a lot of people believe is how you really set a habit in, mm -hmm. in stone, and I get 14 days in and don't do the habit anymore, whatever it is. That 14 days has still changed me. Mm-hmm. The problem I see today with a lot of, especially the, you know, I, I said this earlier in this podcast, the short bits of information that kind of get our attention and, and give everybody shiny objects in the room to go on to the next thing and the mm -hmm. next thing and then scroll through the next screen, etc. It allows people to have an echo chamber to anything that is outside of those virtues. In other words, if there's anything that you can't plug into and make a habit, or if you want to have an excuse for you to fall away from something that you know is better for you, then you have thousands and thousands of people out there at the touch of your cell phone uh, that will agree with you. Mm -hmm. And suddenly there's this, well, like and I said. And they'll only, and, well, and then it just becomes a, what is it, a... Not a reverb loop. A, uh, yeah, it's... It, no, it's an actual term. It's not a reverb loop. It's a... 
I can't remember. It's something. <laughs> it's a loop. It's a loop. It's, it's, it's a, it's a it cyclical loop. Reconstitutes. Yeah. What you're, it, it just. Feedback loop. Thank you. Feedback. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, so, and, well, and, and I think what's interesting, and look, I, again, neither of us are, are very pious. I mean, even though my favorite 13th virtue is humility, in which Ben Franklin literally just said, imitate Jesus and Socrates, which I think is probably very interesting combination. The, the huh? inter- yes, very yeah. interesting. Um, and if you know anything about this historical people, uh, you know, for some people, they think only one of them existed and it varies between two. Um, but one thing I think is interesting is that. Well, historically, there is nobody that, that says they both don't exist. Oh, well, I'm not saying that. that. Yeah. There are people out there that I've had conversations with. That don't that, believe that? Yeah. Really? Yes. And, 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 and here's the thing. They're welcome to believe whatever they want to. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I I believe the earth is flat. And <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, you know, shout out to my flat earth gang. Um, but, you know, my, my whole point is that something like Benjamin's, you know, 13 virtues. Um, and that almost, uh, that almost felt, you know, really bad of me to say. I feel like I should have said Ben Franklin's. I said Benjamin's like I knew him. Um something like this can really open people's minds up to a life that isn't lived under the chains of oppression of too much freedom, which is a thing. You know, it's, it's like when, it's like when I go to the the gym, there's a reason why I have a regimented workout. It's because I'm not overwhelmed. It's because I I have a plan when I go, Mm -hmm. I finish that plan. Mm -hmm. I have X amount of reps, X amount of sets. I I, I have a time I get up, a time I come back. And why do you do that? Because it's structured. No, I know that, but why? There's a reason you go to the gym. Oh, because it's, it's generally good for you. It, 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 right. It, it's, it's the the goal is to feel better, exactly. be more healthy, and you know, get get the guns in shape. Right. I mean, I'm just trying to compete with you. You okay? are a wolf. You got to stay. You got to stay the alpha male. You've your got pack. like. 1,000 pounds of muscle on me. Okay, 1,000 pounds, perhaps. Yeah. Well, oh my God. well I guess, I, I, but my point goes, it's still, it's still, it's, it's the overall arching point is, look, you know, we can talk about apathy. We can talk about entropy. We can talk about we work. We can talk about, you know, how our society is desperate for true community and desperate for relation and desperate for identity. But these things don't come exclusively. They, they come in sequential order. And, and a big part part of that statement is the order part of it. They come in order, and it's um, it's like you know, what was this they're saying of you know if you have your if you if you have your bed made mm-hmm. in the beginning of the day, you're more likely to complete other things. I mean, it's it's as as weird as that sounds to well, a, a lot of people thing. today. Yeah, it's it's done for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these rules that we live by are to main, to contain society it's to stop the all the fringes all the mm-hmm. seams from breaking well and within those rules is freedom ultimately i mean well, and that's a benjamin franklin is a perfect example of that yeah. he's he, he dedicated his life to a free system mm-hmm. indoctrinated by the the continental congress mm-hmm. in in the bill of rights and the constitution of the united states mm-hmm. he dedicated his life to that mm-hmm. yet he put constructs around his own life to keep order in it. Yeah. That's what I feel like's missing. There's this there's this degradation of order. Oh, and then when if you don't have order within your own house and how can you have order outside of it? Bam. Well, I guess that wraps it up. I mean, I think we can we definitely have a few new things to talk about in the next episode that you know, we'll hash out over this next week, but you know, again, we want to thank you guys for joining us uh, over this last 
about an hour, last hour, good hour of talking uh, a few different topics. And, you know, if you like what you hear, uh, please, you know, give us a follow, give us a like, and, uh, you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I know that we may, I'm pretty sure we might be up there eventually, but when you see us, leave us a review and uh, look out for more from the Wolf and Bolt.